This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron. And I am joined once again by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Ah, uh, muy bien, Steve. Oh, man, fresh off the plane from Costa Rica, feeling fresh, feeling tan. I'm a surf bro now, just a beach bum, living the good life. Pura vida. Oh, man. Yeah, pura vida, just, uh, just whew, man. Yogi, just the whole deal. My mind is so clear. I'm ready to have a ridiculously awesome podcast. Yogi? Let's go. <laughs> Mike, I fully expected you to come back like Michael Scott with one beat in his hair, just playing the playing the drums, the hot, hot, hot. <laughs> uh, and as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I am at the House of Sab tonight. I am confused, Steve, though. Who is this third guy on the podcast <laughs> right now? He looks familiar, but I feel like at least half the time it's just been you and I. So I don't know who this this third guy in is. You'll have to you'll have to do a better introduction of this clown we have with us here. Today. Well, guest guest host. The uh, yeah the. The you might not recognize the third guy in the podcast tonight, but the P2E community is just just chirping and clamoring about needing their third host back, right? Like I'm just getting thousands and thousands of emails about like, Mike, we need you back on the podcast. It's not the same without you. You hold this. You're the glue that holds the podcast together. So, yeah, I mean, the people have spoken, Trent. Well, I uh, I must admit I do recognize you, Michael. Um, but it makes it all the more shocking that you're here after getting married. I thought for sure that was the end of Mike on the podcast. I thought he'd be cooking and cleaning tonight and doing laundry and, and all sorts of mowing the lawn. <laughs> yeah, me. no, but I um, so you're right. But I, I am the definition of peak too early now, Trent. Don't you? Wouldn't you? Don't you think it's appropriate that I'm I'm back on the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I feel like you've almost just peaked too late at this point. <laughs> so, I don't even know what that means. Uh, well, so so Mike, uh, Trent and I, we had ourselves a little wager while you were gone on the podcast. So, um, you know, we were kind of debating, you know, how many runs you went on while you're in Costa Rica. So uh, I'm not going to tell you the line. Why don't you tell us and the listeners how many and the stipulation is it needs to be about it needs to be at least two miles. So anything okay. under two miles doesn't. Okay. So Come how on, many Mike. runs did you go on that were over two miles in Costa Rica? Well, Steve, first of all, I'm a little offended that you don't think I listened to the podcast even when I'm not on it. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I know what the line was. I listened to the podcast, just like all of our other millions of fans out there. They all know what the line was. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I listened to it and I got a good giggle out of it because one of you is so right and one of you is actually, <laughs> oh, actually, I take that back. You're both pretty wrong. Um, I ran, and I know this might be hard to believe, gentlemen. Zero times. Yeah! Not a one. Are you That's kidding what me? I'm talking about. I'm I, on knew my I knew it. I knew it, Trent. Crazy people. 
Dude, went, you ran why, on your wedding why day. Why would I run on my honeymoon? You ran on your wedding I day. was surfing. I was hiking. I was kayaking. But I, oh, you bet your ass that I was not running. What are, <laughs> what are you, insane? Oh, my. I was, I was befuddled. When Trent said that the line should be at like, what did you say, two and a half? He said two and a half. And I said, you know what, Trent? Person. I'm going to cut you some slack. I'm going to cut it down to one and a half. And oh I'm going to take the under. Just, uh, uh, you Trent guys. Might, my Venmo is open. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right you now. Guys, you guys give me way too much credit. I did way not too give much. you credit. I said maybe at the end of the week, if you've had one too many Imperial lights, that you might feel bad well, enough to go. Go sweat out some of those imperial rights, and maybe you went on one run. So I knew, I knew exactly what you were doing. Plenty of imperial lights, plenty of guanicas, plenty of um, uh, oh, Steve. Yeah, that's what they. So that's the menchilada, Steve. Is that am I saying it right? Menchilada. That's that's where you put like, uh, you know, like two inches of lime juice and then a beer and ice, and it's like a little all that around that rim, rim, rim. Yeah, salt on the rim. It tastes like a beer, but it's also like refreshing, like a little fruity drink. It is. Whew, man. And the thing is, they sneak up on you because you can crush them all day long. So what I don't understand is up here in the United States, and I, I've been to several, uh, you know, Central American countries, and that's a Michelada everywhere you go. Up here in America, a Michelada is like a Bloody Mary. They put like a uh, tomato juice in a beer. It's disgusting. When I came back from Costa Rica, I went on to Costa Rica on my honeymoon. When I came back and I, I was at a like a Mexican restaurant, I was so pumped. I was like, oh, I'll have a Michelada because I wanted a nice, refreshing, citrusy beer. And they brought to, they brought me this like tomato juicy beer. It was disgusting. What is that? I don't know, but they got it right over there in Central and South America. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You guys ever tried those like Bud Light? clamoritas or something it's like a bloody mary in a can no get get your get your tomato juice away from my beer I, like i'm all for a bloody mary like on a sunday brunch or something like that every once in a while it's okay you can put you can put vodka and tomato juice but please leave leave the the tomato juice away from my beer i do not need any of that Yo, steve bloody mary i believe it was you who said to me mimosas and bloody mary's are only for people who are too proud to admit that at 9 a.m. they just want to yeah. drink a beer. No, that, that is that true. That is true. But, you know, I don't want to be a social misfit drinking a Miller <laughs> at Sunday brunch so I conform and I have a Bloody Mary from time to time. But I completely, I, I, I think that just Bloody Marys exist, mimosas exist, just as, as an excuse so people don't have to be seen drinking a beer at 9 o'clock in the morning. I think Bloody Marys exist for no reason. They're absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Why do I want a hamburger or a piece of bacon in my drink rather than having separate? But there is purpose for the mimosa because sometimes you wake up, you're pretty hungover or whatever, you're feeling a little rundown, and what a great way to get your vitamins. You're just crushing vitamin C. You're just getting healthy as you drink that mimosa. So hats off to a mimosa at 9 a.m. Yeah, I mean. You get a beer on the side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in Costa Rica, all hats were off. I was drinking like, I don't know, Coco Locos. I don't even know what that was. It was some drink that came in a coconut at all hours of the day. Um, it all just goes out the window when you're in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I'm uh, I'm very happy that I that I won that bet. I, I I mean I just know my brother. Like I I knew I knew that he didn't run when he was in Costa Rica. I knew he didn't run on his honeymoon. I I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna you know spend that money on on something something just to rub it in your face, Trent. How does it feel for me and you to to break the Miller Lite uh, beer mile record later this summer while Mike is just can't even run a six thirty uh, without drinking beer? I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, I, I don't have to say so that because training season has begun, Trent. I'm yes. one day into training season. So, um, yeah. So so as we've talked about many times on this podcast, it is our goal as a P2E goal to um, to break the, the Miller Lite World Beer Mile record. So it is our goal to do that by the end of the summer. And so we've had on Chris Robertson. Um, we had Gabriel uh, Gilioni last week both extremely accomplished beer milers and this week we have on lewis kent former world record holder um he was an awesome interview he actually has a book dropping today as we record this um so we're going to transition into our interview with lewis kent Okay, we welcome the former Beer Mile world record holder. He's the first ever professional Beer Miler, a multiple-time World Beer Mile Classic champion, and the man who literally wrote the book on beer miling. Lewis Kent, welcome to Peak Too Early. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So, Lewis, you and I first met in, I think it was the spring of 2016. And leading up to that, I think you had... You were the reigning world record holder in the, in the beer mile. You had gotten sponsored by Brooks, which was awesome because, you know, my job at the time, I was a I was actually a tech rep for Brooks. And my job was to go to events, run, and then buy people beers afterwards. So I, I, I would like to think that my job was running and drinking beer. But you made it official with, you know, an actual job that was about running and drinking beer. A couple months later, <laughs> here we go, a couple months later, you... Uh, you were you were on Ellen, the Ellen Show, and then you uh, you went and you defended your title. You won the World Beer Mile Classic Championship, and then you came out to Seattle for uh, for for our sales meeting at Brooks. And I remember that we had um, we had the the president of of uh, of of Brooks Canada up on stage, and he surprised everybody and he welcomed you to 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 our sales meeting. And then we went next door. To an abandoned warehouse where uh, we ran a beer mile, and I got to run a beer mile against you, and you smoked me. But huh. I had actually had shoulder surgery like a week prior, and the doctor told me not to run. Whatever you do, you cannot run for a month. Huh. And then you showed up, and I was like, "Well, I can't pass up my chance to to run with Lewis." So um, that was a super fun afternoon. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. That was awesome. Yeah, I think that would have been May of 2016. Definitely. Yeah. And so my, it my sounds like the, Steve, uh, Steve's saying that the only reason you beat him is because he had shoulder <laughs> surgery. I don't know. Yep, that was 100% it. It was because <laughs> I had a rematch. I think, that's, I think that's on the table. I think so. Um, but I guess my first question for you is that stretch from November or the, the fall when you got sponsored all the way up to that May where you're at the Brooks sales meeting. And you were a college student at the time, correct? Yeah. So I was 21 I guess it would have been my senior year of college, and I, if the question was that, was that the craziest stretch of my life so far? Yeah, that, I, that's, I exactly, that's exactly the question I was going to ask. Yeah, it was pretty insane. So I kind of went from 
that summer in what would have been so i if you rewind it back a little bit uh my first beer mile which we talked about gabe giglione there a bit um was in the spring of 2014 um i just did one for fun got invited out um and like gabe would have mentioned he beat me um i (laughs) I think my first beer mile and i had no idea really what the beer mile was going into it was about a 611 and that was april of 2014 didn't really do one until later that year until flow track came out saying like hey guys we're having this world championship thing and then uh i gave it a good try and i i ran a bunch back to back to back i think i did like four and four, four weeks, weeks or something, something. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, um, and I, I got my time down to two, five, five 17, 17 something like that wow. um, so, it, so it, it it became a bit ritualistic or almost uh, how I describe it is, you know, people have training plans for things, but there was no training plan for the beer mile. Um, and I had this, I was lucky to have this engineer as a roommate, knew nothing about running, but really took me under his wing and was like, what if we change the angles on the beer? And what if we <laughs> practicing like six to eight times a day with water? And like, we just, how, I don't think that way, but how engineers think is like, how can we improve and make this more efficient? And um, he really fine tuned it to the point where, yeah, that next year, um, in August of 2015, I took that world record. I ran 450, 455 to take that world record. And I'm going into the World Classic 2015, where I won my first international title. And I couldn't believe it when I won that that race. Um, it had only been about a year since the first man, James Nielsen, had broken five minutes in the beer mile. And um, I was racing him head to head. And like a year before, I was this 615 beer miler watching this guy <laughs> break five. And I was like, how's that even humanly possible? And then two weeks out from racing him, I, I took his world record and was able to beat him on that day. So yeah, that fall was just an absolute flurry. Um, I won that world classic and I had the world record. I'd won this big race and I, nobody had reached out. I was reaching out to companies being like, <clears throat> I'll swear my soul away for a lifetime for fish. He was like, somebody help me out here. Um, and luckily got an agent on board and he's, his name's Chris McCashew, uh, one of the top in Canada for track athletes. So, um, he represents, a lot of Canada's top track athlete athletes and um yeah he got on board and he's like you know you know what I think is a great fit for Brooks and when I was on a phone call with him he had one of the pint glasses that says run happy to live longer he's like I can't see how they're gonna say no to this like (laughs) this is part of their brand like they've got to say yes so a, a week or two later I met with Brooks the Brooks people we set that up and it was kind of funny because it was about a three to four week hold off because I actually signed with Brooks in September but then the flow track world championships were in December. So they're like, let's not announce this yet. Let's wait till closer to let's like wait till we're closer to, to get more hype around it. And I was holding off. And in that meantime, uh, Corey Gallagher broke my world record. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I've signed this contract. Like, can they take this contract away? Like I'm not really relevant anymore. But, um, yeah, I ended up getting the world rack record back, winning the world championships within the same 24 hour period appeared on the Elder generous show. And then the onslaught after that was just was absolutely crazy. Three or four months. Imagine being in college and then I came back and I was sitting in a 150 person lecture. Um, I had one of my professors pull it up on the screen because like <laughs> I had to get like a week extension on all these projects because I flew to Texas in the middle of a semester, got a bunch of exams postponed. Like I'm messaging my athletic reps being like, hey, like, I don't know if this is allowed, but I'm going away to Texas. Like I won't be here to write the exams like can you, can you allow it? And luckily I had pretty good guys within the athletic department and it was genuinely as if 
imagine uh, someone at your school was like an Olympic class rower and they were going to world championships for rowing. They were giving me these extensions as if, well, I guess I was a world-class athlete. So it was pretty yeah. crazy. Um, it was a huge, I'd come back in a class and people would just walk up to me and give me high fives and be like, oh, you're that guy. Like I totally recognize you. And it exploded not only locally, but obviously internationally. And that was uh, an absolute whirlwind. And it feels like it was just yesterday. Did, uh, you probably had more recognition in that time period than most like professional, like high level, not to say you're not a high level athlete, for sure. but people that are getting paid to just run and not run and drink that you probably had a level of recognition that runners, most runners didn't have at that. Yeah. Time. I really felt like it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Cause I think it was just something new, right? Like people like the novelty of it where 90% of people at least must've at least had a beer at some point in their lifetime. And whether people enjoyed it or not, I mean, we all enjoy running, but whether people enjoyed it or not, their high school teacher forced them to run a mile at some point, right? So everyone could relate. And then I think when they see the headline of like four laps, four beers, they're just mind ball that people can do it under five minutes. And yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely cool. So Lewis, I mean, those accolades are just unbelievable, right? Like being on the Ellen DeGeneres show and you know, a sub five minute beer mile. And, and you said you, you once did like uh, four beer miles in four weeks. Like that's like, that's, that's so cool. But um, <laughs> I once did three <laughs> beer miles in one day. What do you have to say for yourself, Lewis? So that's very <laughs> impressive. That's awesome. What were, what were your times in those three beer miles? Uh, not good. I want to know the not, progression. Like did they um, get faster? Did they get slower? So I think they the definitely got, yeah, they definitely got faster, but um, yeah, no, they weren't fast. That wasn't the point. Like you're, you're making this about times and like fast stuff again. Like that wasn't my point, Lewis. Like I was just, just trying to rub three. it in your face that I did yeah. three and you uh, yeah, you're, <laughs> I have, you got me. So I got a funny story to, to backtrack on this. So my, I was a six eleven beer miler. And the day I decided to try and go for this kind of flow track world championship standard of like 5.30, I still was a 6.11 beer miler. I ran 6.11 when I was out of shape running, but in great, what I call drinking shape, where I'd just been partying at the end of the season. And I couldn't run a fast mile, but the beers were flowing really easy. Then in the, one of the best shapes of my life, I ran at the end of a season where I wasn't partying a lot, and I ran a 6.22. My mile was probably 30 seconds quicker, but the beers were just like a disaster because <laughs> I hadn't been, hadn't been drinking many beers. So... The first effort of these kind of four beer miles in four weeks, two of them were in the same day. So Whoa. this is a funny story. Wow. Um, See, he's always got to try and one-up me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I go into it a bit more detail. And my technically, my book actually published today. So that's an exciting thing for anyone listening online. Published today. Um, but this is a pretty funny story and how I really got into the beer mile. So you're, it's, it's a, I think it was even a Sunday, which makes it even more funny. But um, I think Saturday night, we've been out partying on Saturday night till the early morning and with my college roommates and five or six of us go for sushi for lunch, just stumble out of bed, go for sushi. And the one roommate who's not a runner at all goes, hey, like this whole beer mouth thing sounds pretty cool. Like, what's it like? And we're talking about it. And I'm a sucker for peer pressure. Like, I, I'll give in to anything. So um, they're like, you should do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of us here, I'm sure. Um, and he goes well, why don't you do one later today? And I'm like, I've just eaten like 40 pieces of sushi. Like, it's just not a good idea. And eventually I cave and say, all right, give me like three hours. I'll do one. So then I do it. I run 622 again. I'm like miserable the whole way around. Half the sushi, half the beer all comes up as soon as I cross the line. Like, I'm like, I, I'm not cut out for this. Then 30 minutes later, a guy on my cross country team says, our university's triathlon club is having a beer mile tonight. Everyone should come out to do it. 
and it's at the exact same track that's across from my house in like 90 minutes. And then that was the first time my roommate, engineer roommate saw it and was like, man, I can guarantee you, you can do this faster. Just like listen to these three things. So I chug a Gatorade, I go to bed for an hour, I wake up, I go back to the track and I ran 550. So I got 30 seconds quicker, 90 minutes later, just that by is like insane. following a couple of his, of his tips. So I didn't get the three beer miles in one day. I do. That's extremely impressive that you did that. Yeah. But it's it's not. Your, yours was, yeah, yours was much more impressive. <laughs> you, you would not have been impressed. What's impressive, though, not even the running, is that you decided to get sushi when you were hungover on a Sunday. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind you would have went faster when you let that digest. What kind of crazy person are you? I don't know. I'm sure you'll find out a lot more over this next little bit. But I'm a, <laughs> bit, of a bit of a wild child. I think that's part of the brand. Well, I think the the fact that you were able to, you know, do a beer mile and then kind of just study like the like you said the engineering side of it, the physics side of it and then be and then maybe be able to come back and run it faster just shows like how important that part is to the beer mile. You know, understanding the uh, you know, the 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 physics piece and like understanding like how you can just improve your time by, you know, understanding like how to chug and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think what it really came down to is like in the beer mile space because it was so new no one had really given it that much it was kind of you know people would do beer miles once a year with their college team or their running group and everyone would show up and do it and whoever was the best was the best but i don't know i like to compare it almost like basketball where like you know the best nba players that shoot over 90 percent on the free throw line have practiced tens of thousands of times right like hundreds and hundreds a day so i just thought if i can get the chug down to an art like it should be automatic if i do it enough times it should be automatic and that's what it was when i was setting world records and stuff i did not i cannot tell you a single memory i have of being in the chug zone because i just had done it so many times not just standing still but also about two times a week i would go to the track with my coach who is this engineering roommate um <laughs> greg smith Your drinking buddy yeah exactly <laughs> And I would just do like a 200 meter stride and finish it with like a non-alcoholic beer or a water or, you know, if it was a Thursday or Friday or Saturday, it'd be a beer. But maybe if it was a Monday <laughs> or Tuesday, it'd be the others. But um, I would do that to practice being out of breath. I would practice doing it and then running a full quarter just to practice with having it in my gut. There were just so many little things that I thought if I practice these and no one else is, that's going to give me such a competitive advantage. And I mean, my PR for the mile is like 414. So like I was going on the start line against these guys who were like 402, a couple of them yeah. sub four. And it's like, I need every second I can get. So mm. another big thing in the beer mile is almost like if you imagine in a relay, when a team has a really good exchange, they get a couple steps on someone else. I figured those are really vital in the beer mile because most people, when they go to start running again, are feeling like trash because they're trying to burp things up and they're just feeling awful. So I found if I could really master this nine meter zone, yes, the race is 1,609 meters, but if I can be the best in those 36 meters, I can actually get these valuable seconds on people. And it's a bit more psychological in the beer mile because trying to close a gap is a lot riskier. You're not just going to hit lactic and tie up. Like you could start throwing up and have to run another lap. And a lot more doubt goes through people's minds. So I really focused on, you know, if I can be the Kobe Bryant of the chug zone, then <laughs> like I can win these things. So that's really, I, I enjoyed doing it. And it did become the sort of thing where, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have two bottles, empty bottles of beer at the sink, fill them up with water, chug them both back, head to class, come home at lunch, do two more after dinner, do two more. Like it was just like, it sounds crazy now, but at the time it was just like part of my daily routine and wow. it clearly paid off. Yeah. 
So, Louis, you're looking kind of thirsty right now. I saw an unopened bottle of beer right next to you. Nice. And uh, we actually did this with Chris Robertson. And I, uh, I, I would like to increase, uh, you know, better my beer mile time. Gotcha. So I, uh, I need some coaching from, from the best in the world. So can Sounds you good. give me some coaching on, on chugging this beer? And we're going to time ourselves, see if I can beat my time that okay. we had, uh, with Chris. So I just need one piece of information for the tips. What okay. do you think you can, like, what can you chug the bottle in right now? Like, what's your average chug? So I'm not great out of the bottle. I can do it in around 10 seconds, like 10, 11 seconds. Okay. So when you, and these are weird things to think about because you don't think about them until you're prompted about them. You probably make contact with both your lips on the bottle when you go to chug it. So you're kind of like, you know, so my number one suggestion would be you don't need a crazy angle, like even like flat, like 90 degrees is good. But take your top lip off. So if you see me here, when you take your top lip off, a lot more air can flow into the bottle. So you can chug it in probably like seven seconds by just having it flat. Okay. All right. All right, Mike. All over yourself. That's my number one. That's all you need to think of right now is you don't need a crazy angle. You just need to allow more air to flow in. So just take the top lip off and only have contact with the bottom lip. All right, Steve, I got the timer ready to go. Let's do this thing. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, let's get this. All right. Ready? (laughs) Ready, Mike? Set, go. (laughs) That's good. Oh, you got it. No top lip. Oh, man, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. You can Uh, tilt to the top. There you go. That was under 10, I think. Uh, no, shit. not quite. Uh, not quite, Lewis. Not quite. I <laughs> screwed up the shirt. Yeah. If yeah, you like, didn't have that yeah. pause at the start, I think you could have gotten under 10. You know, like when somebody, um, when a golfer is like changing their grip or something like that, sometimes mm-hmm. the first couple rounds out there, it takes a while to get used to it. So I think the top lip thing was a little awkward for Steve, but I think, you know, once he gets comfortable with that grip, he's going to start ripping it. I, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, it probably takes, so now you have that bottle there. So then twice now between now and bed, you could fill it up with water and just learn the angle. And then, or if you're feeling, if you really want to, I mean, to each their own Tuesday night, I've done it plenty of times. I could tell you where I did <laughs> Tuesday night. So. How bad do you but, want? Yeah, Guarantee you by your try at that. It really is just a numbers game and just rep- repetition, just like I was saying with the free throws. So yeah. I guarantee if you did that 10 times, you'd be well under 10 seconds. I'll practice. Practice is going to make perfect. I promise <laughs> you that. Yeah. So, awesome. Lewis, I, I love listening to just the way that you, like, break down every, you know, half second of a beer mile. And, like, where can I where can I pick up a second there? And uh, And I also like the way that you talked about, you know, there's great running shape. And then there's great drinking shape and you got to kind of find that in between, I guess. So my two questions for you are, where are you on the spectrum right now? Right. From like drinking shape, running shape and, you know, that that sweet zone. And are we ever going to see Lewis Kent as the world record holder in the beer mile ever again? Yeah, that's a tough. So I'll answer question one first. Um, been on a bit of a long injury stint right now, so still trying to get back at it. Um, only able to get up to about three runs a week right now, so still struggling a bit on the running side, fitness-wise. Um, hoping, and it's a big gain. Um, Twenty eighteen, I didn't do a single run for more than ten minutes. It was that bad. So wow, um, I'm up to about three runs, about ten k a week. So it's like way better than it was last year. But I'm probably about, I'm I'm making ground, but it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit more. So. On the running side, I'd say if 10's the fittest I've ever been, I'm probably only about a six or a seven, but I'm swimming a lot. I still feel pretty fit. So 
not in tip top shape. Um, drinking wise, I'd say about the same, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not partying quite like I did in college, but I definitely still enjoy a good Friday or Saturday night here and there. Um, <laughs> in terms of the world record, I'd say it would take quite the legendary increase in my running ability. Like Corey Belmore set the world record. He ran a, yeah. like, I think I was there, um, for it. And then he even ran faster last summer, but just had too much beer left. Like, he ran 424 with a little bit of overage. So even if you put that in perspective, he's probably able to run a 427 pretty clean. Yeah. And in that, he runs like a four flat mile. Like he's like he opened with a he opened with a 57 with the beer, or 58 oh with the beer, or something crazy. Like just in like lunatic. So I mean, I definitely think I'm capable of running in the high 430s which I think would be really awesome if I could get back into running. Whether or not I could win a world record, get the world record back again is different than if I could win a world title. Mm-hmm. So I think that was yep. proven last year where Belmore, you know, he went a bit over or everyone has their day, right? So yeah. really what it is, is I think I can get back out there and win another championship if I can get back running shape. Because yep. I think what I'm able to do is in the early laps, put a lot of pressure on in the drinks. And someone like Corey, who's a lot stronger of a runner, I mean, he's a great beer drinker and great chugger by by any means but i think i'm i'm a better drinker than he is so if i'm able to put some pressure on the early laps he leaves a little bit too much it leads to maybe a disqualification so the uh tokyo 2020 comeback for lewis kent it's uh Love it. like a long-term thing but i'm i'm pretty pretty big believer that i can get back at it and we'll, we'll be rooting for you the year i can get back out for a world title is that where the next uh uh world classic is so the next world classic is actually in august so it's a, it's yes. a month today it's uh I believe it's August 2nd or August 3rd, <clears throat> whatever the Saturday is. Um, it's actually Berlin, in right? Germany. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to be over there. I'm going to be running that one. But um, like I won't be in you know sub five shape just because I haven't been able to run enough. But I'm just excited to get back out there. I've had to sit it out the last couple of years with the injury. So I'm going to get out there. I'm not going to be at the front, but I'm going to grab a couple guys who are puking on the last couple laps. So <laughs> I look forward to that. Hey, Lewis, you mentioned uh, Corey Belmore. A couple of Canadians here that are taking the world records. What What is it about the water you guys drink up there that makes you so good at beer miles? Uh, it's because our beer is the proper strength. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know what it is, really. like I, You'd have to look at the top 10 list, but I'm thinking of guys who have had it over the years. So the name Jim Finlayson, I don't know how well you guys know that name, but he had it up until the beer mile got like into mainstream media from probably 2008 or nine up to 2014. So he's a Canadian. James Nielsen broke it, but he's technically Canadian. He was born in Canada. He just lives in the States. Um, the only other people that have had it, um, Josh Harrison, Australian, um, felt kind of bad with him. He broke the world record. And then I ran a beer mile that same day and broke it back. <laughs> he had the world record for like less than like 12 hours or something crazy. Um, and then after that, Belmore, Corey Gallagher, Canadian, me Canadian. So, so I mean... I don't know what it is. Something up here, the the North Pride. I think you guys are better than us in so many things that we need to take this one home for our, for our country. I like your ethereal. Like the Molson Light is a little more heavier than the Bud Lights and Miller Lights that would uh, you know, <laughs> down here. So yeah. So we're actually we uh, this is a this is we have a um, how do I say this? We have an affinity for Miller Light on this podcast. It's, it's oh yeah. It's it's our it's our beer of choice, not because we think it's the best beer. It's just a reliable beer. That's a it's a crisp. You bite your beer. tongue, Steve. You bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's delicious. We love it. We love it. It's, yeah. it. It course it courses through our veins. You know, I don't know what else to say about it. But yeah. um, we are going to go 
for it. We know it's not a standard beer mile, um, but we're going to go for the for the Miller Lite uh, world record by the end of the summer. So that's yeah. our goal as a podcast is we're going to we're going to we're going to pick a day towards the end of the summer. and We're going to go after the Miller Lite world record. Awesome. Do you know what it sits at right now? Like, it uh, is 545. Like no, 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 no. Oh. It's like 620. Oh, 620. Oh. It's like 620. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Steve, I would say you, you we've now told Chris Robertson and now we've told Lewis we need to stop telling professional beer milers <laughs> about this record. I think we've had this discussion once before, but we, we can't keep doing this because they, I mean, on any given day, my boy Lewis could go out there and just take it from us. Um, <laughs> but my, 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 my proposal, like okay. <laughs> my yeah, proposal he's like, I don't, I don't want that swell. <laughs> <laughs> my proposal to you, Lewis, is when we do decide to go for it, you should join us and go after a different world record just not the Miller Lite world record, right? Like, we're, we're going to do it in Massachusetts, and the Massachusetts state record is very breakable. We'd love to see you come out there and break that with a different beer than Miller Lite. So yeah, you, you, I, the I, invite I, is open. Oh, that sounds good to me. I love, I've, I've been to Boston once, and it was when I was younger with my family, but I love the city, so maybe uh, that sounds very intriguing. If the dates work out, then I, I'd definitely be down for to give it a crack, and even if it doesn't happen, I'm sure the four of us could have a good night on the town. And we could do a training night the night before. We can go out and at two. I'll come out a couple days early. We'll, <laughs> we'll put up a, a beer mall training camp stint. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I'm fairly certain if I had an hour with anyone, I could get them down to seven or eight seconds out of the bottle. If you can handle it, if you can handle the flow of how quickly it comes out, I'm fairly certain. Steve, we could get you down to which would help with that Miller Lite world record. Well, <laughs> I'm looking for any edge I can get. That's why I pre-ordered yeah. a, a world champion's guide to the beer mile. Here, look, I got I got it on the I got it on Amazon. You can see it right there. See, awesome. pre-ordered. It's being shipped right now. It should so be you, like, yeah, I've had people receive them today. So you should uh, you should get it. I can't tomorrow wait. if not today. So this is so this is a Tuesday. Recording this on a Tuesday. This will drop next Monday. Lewis's Lewis's book literally drops today. So you are you are officially an author. You're the man who literally wrote the book on on the beer mile. Uh, how does it feel to have a have a published book out there? It, it's pretty pretty rewarding. It's uh it's actually I got a call almost three years ago to the day with the idea to do this thing. So like it's a really humbling experience. Like you. You really don't understand until you go through the process, like how much time and effort goes into it. And it's uh, it's awesome. Like I gave it I got my own copy of it only actually a week ago. So I had one copy before the publish date. But reading it front to back, there was lots of lots of feels for sure. You know, I remember just sitting down and I was I did kinesiology as my undergrad. Like I probably wrote maximum 10,000 words my whole education. Like I was the guy who, oh, it's a 1500 word essay. I'm going to write 900 words and triple space it. And hopefully they don't notice, you know, like I was that guy. Um, you got to make so, the period. You got to incre increase yeah. the period font. They never exactly. see that. Or like, uh, yeah, you increase, increase. What was it? Yeah. There's a couple different tricks. I had the margins. Say, you, you push the margins in like just a, a touch. Yeah. 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 Or are you like, yeah, you put in a couple lines of text and you white it out so that like they oh. can't. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good little that's, trick. But that's this a good one. Thing was, I'd never even heard of that one. That's yeah, that was good. But yeah, this thing was minimum, had to be minimum 35,000 words was what my contract with the publishing company said. So I was just like, I'd write a chapter and then it'd be like, all right, Lewis, like our goal for this chapter is 6,000 words. And I'd have like 1,500 on the page and I'd be like, well, that's everything. Like, you know, and luckily I had a great uh, book, like agent in Amelia Pell. So she was really good at just like, 
pulling the story out of me. And it was all there. Like I really enjoyed the experience, just doing it on top of like a full-time job and a full-time athlete schedule versus being like a full-time author. Sometimes it's hard to find the time, but it definitely helped having a couple of couple of beverages in you to write and then edit later. It's just, um, <laughs> and the words just flow. And then the next day you can, you can edit through it. So it's, uh, it's been a super rewarding experience and I'm looking forward to people reading it and letting me know what they think. Yeah. That actually brings me to my next question was what was the, the, the most amount of beers you ever got deep while writing? And like, it, will we be able to tell when we get to that part of the book? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's been edited enough that you, you can't tell that. Um, so I now work uh, full-time as a financial planner. Um, and the day I wrote my exams, which would be like close to two years ago, um, I wrote my exams in the afternoon and I had a couple beers at the bar and I had a two and a half hour train ride. And uh, luckily the train was on the company. So it was a business class train. It was bottomless uh, drinks away. So I was like, I'm finally done these exams, like put a couple back. And I just started, I think I wrote like, I think I wrote 2000 words on like a two hour train ride, which like that would take me like 10, 12 hours to write that like normally. So, I mean, it wasn't all perfect, but it was good enough to edit the next day. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it definitely helped. I think it's Ernest Hemingway or someone said that, you know, how write, long, how long did it take you to, to, to write the whole book? When, when did the process start? So process started in the spring of 2016. Um, it would have been actually just before I came down for that Brooks sales meeting, which is pretty crazy to think. Really? Wow. Yeah. So got a call from, uh, I guess they're like a literary agent or a book agent. Um, she's just like freelance and she thought it was a good idea. Um, great, like young agent. And she thought, okay, like I've read up on your story. I've read all the media. I think we have something here. Let's put together a proposal. So we had to put together like sample pretty much what, who's going to buy it? What's it going to be about? Um, what are the chapter titles? And we had to write two chapters. And then she took that to all the publishing companies in the States. So she went for like top tier, like big giants, like the Nikes, Adidas, Pumas of the publishing world. They all say no. She goes to second tier, third tier. Um, and then we ended up getting a deal from Skyhorse Publishing is the name of the publisher. So it took her a full year. So it took us from the spring to the fall to write the whole proposal in a couple chapters, a full 12 months for her to get the deal. So for a full month, I was kind of on pause. Um, just her, she was going out and chopping it around from there. So that takes us to September of 2017, September to September. I wrote it and I submitted the manuscript last September and then final edits, little things like photos, cover rights, all that. And then I submitted the final project. It was done in about February and then published now so it's, you forgot to include brooks and the giants when you were talking about all the, the oh, publishing companies for sure they will see, <laughs> i mean yeah they um brooks would have picked it up right away if they published of course it. of course we <laughs> brooks published books this would have been done years ago for sure i know would have been so, done right away i think brooks is uh i don't want to bash any other companies here live on the podcast no, well yeah, bash away, bash away, Lewis. This is actually the first time on the podcast that I'm admitting that I work for Brooks. We've I, oh, yeah. I've kind of thrown it out there that I work for a running shoe company. Okay. Finally admitting that I work for Brooks, but go for it, yeah, bash other no, companies, bash I mean, away. I think there's a certain degree of quality and care um, that works that helps when you're working with you know a better, I'd say, more medium-sized company that has a more vested interest in you, which um, I think we've seen repeatedly time and time again with some of these running giants, I would call them. And I'm not using that in a manner of 
I'm not saying giant is a good or a bad thing. Just I yeah. think the massive corporate structure of them can really impede how they treat their athletes and their employees. So I think Brooks is right in the perfect spot, and I found my equivalent in a publishing company. Yeah, and I, I, I'll, I'll put on my sales hat for one second. It, it <laughs> does take a, you know, it, it is a big difference when your company only does running, right? Yeah. And of course, the, the culture around fun stuff, the, the run happy, you know, the acceptance of, of having a few beer, beers on the run helps. But when a company just does running, it's pretty cool. It's definitely huge because, you know, you're not just a subsidiary. You're not just an off branch that they do it just to make an extra couple bucks. It's it's really powerful, too. And I've obviously been endorsed by Brooks since September of 2015. So coming up on four years and uh, been running happy ever since with a couple sure. of these. So you actually, you know, uh, you're probably <laughs> one of the, the the handful of runners in the world that has a signature shoe. Like uh, yeah. so, Brooks did a did, Brooks did a beer mile racing flat after your uh, you know your you defended your title in the in the beer mile world classic. What was that like? Yeah, it was really cool. So it actually all sprung from that spring sales meeting we're talking about in May 2016. Um, they had actually just demoed and came out and showed Des Linden's custom shoe at that sales meeting for the Rio Olympics, um, and I happened to sit beside Jenna Winger um, who. I just genuinely showed up, took a taxi from the airport, showed up at the place where the meeting was going on. There was some sort of sales meeting going on and I had no, like I just walked in and didn't know who to sit next to. So I sat down next to Jenna and shook her hand and found out she'd made these awesome custom shoes. And it was just a fluke. Like it just happened to be that. And she said, Hey, I'm sure we can make something work out. Like you're the beer mall guy. And it was really cool getting to work with the Brooks team on, there were so many different options. They took my input. Um, I wish I had it here with me, but it's a pretty cool, pretty cool shoe. You can probably find it online. Um, it's there's only three copies or three, three pairs of the shoes um, in the world. I have one pair that I run in, one pair that I just have framed, and then there's one at the head office in Seattle. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, a Hyperion, a beer mile Hyperion is what they have it as. So it's red and white. I uh, got the Canadian flag on the back, got the golden chevron on the side to represent kind of defending my world championship the year before, and it's a uh, it's really cool to kind of have that. I mean, the amount of runners, I mean, every NBA player's got their own custom shoe, but the amount of runners out there that have custom shoes, you can kind of count on your one hand. So to, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of feel that love when I'm nowhere near an international track class athlete. But, you know, when it comes to something a little more fun and Brooks endorses the, Brooks loves it. <laughs> Sure. So I think you, I think you nailed the timing of this, right? You're kind of like the David Bowie when MTV came out. Uh, yep. the, the beer mile kind of exploded. Whether it was just you know YouTube becoming uh, uh, in everybody's home, as well as you know breaking that five minute. But somehow you know there's been your world record's been broken, which you know temporarily maybe maybe you'll go get it back. Um, but you're still kind of like the face of it. You're the one with the shoe sponsor and the and the Ellen DeGeneres appearance. I don't think anyone else has been on Ellen that's a beer miler. So do you like what happened? Do you think that was like a timing thing? Was that luck that, or is there a reason beer miling exploded at that time? Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of my like success in life has come down to just being the right guy at the right place, the right time. And uh, I think this was the perfect example of it. I mean, um, I took the record and I think there was just something behind the story of like, here's this college kid. That's like not the best guy on his team by any mean. He doesn't even run at like the conference championships. Like he's middle of the back end on even the college team. He's not international by any stage. But when you throw in these beers, it's I think the story behind it kind of helped lift it as well. Um, just because like who doesn't like 
I think the kind of branding that came behind me was like, this guy could just be your neighbor that you see leave every day at 4.30 to go for his run, right? I think I think by bringing me down to kind of more of a, I think a lot of people see these top track stars as like, they're like Im- not immortal, but they're on this whole other level of like, they're just a machine. So I think, I think I did just get lucky being the right guy at the right time. And, but I think in life, kind of when you're working hard at something, luck seems to find you. Right. So I think, um, it, it could happen to anyone, but I also was, uh, I worked damn hard for those world records. So I think <laughs> I was glad when all the press came by. So Lewis, I felt like you could have been talking about me for a second there when you started talking about like, you know, didn't even make the conference team on his <laughs> on his college team and all that. And then you got to the part of being like a world class beer miler and then it sounded less like me. But you know, you're like you're like you're like the guy who like his neighbor saw like just leaving for a casual run. I was like, Oh, that could be me. And then the world class part, I was like, all right, n- not <laughs> not me. So but but quickly before we get into our final segment here, um, I'm not a big reader right not just not never been my thing uh, i like i like running i like drinking beers r- reading n- not not big into it how are you going to sell me how are you going to sell me to read a book lewis okay cuz if you can get me to read a book that's a big deal yeah i think um i think i can count on my two hands how many books i've read in my entire life that's how i'm going to get you to read this book cuz <laughs> the amount of effort it took me to write this thing when i've only read less probably pages than I wrote is, uh, <laughs> I think, um, I really enjoy it because, uh, everyone I know that's read it so far. Like I've had some close family and friends read it. Um, everyone I know that's read it so far has read it within like four or five hours. Even people who say like they haven't, like they don't read quickly. Um, I think it's just cause it's nonfiction. It's like really about 50% fun stories along the way. I think you're going to enjoy it as a pa- having a strong passion for running and a passion for beer drinking. I think there's uh, a few fun stories in there you'll really enjoy, but it's about 50% my fun stories along the way and about 50% the cool history of the beer mile from well before I got involved and then kind of tips and tricks. So it'll help you out for your own beer mile. But I think it's uh it really is like I was out of college this past weekend and someone read it in three hours and I think it's a pretty light read. Like I think the pages just turn themselves. So thank you. Right. Uh, I, I, I can promise you that I'll start it. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All you need to First chapter is one of my favorites, so we'll get you hooked. I think I'll get you hooked with the first chapter. All you needed to say is, Mike, it's about running and drinking. And then the three of us are sold. So, yeah. <laughs> if so, there's any book I'm going to read, it's that. <laughs> so, hey, I know you're I know you're a busy guy. you got to get home from work. So we're going to kick off our final part of the interview. We do it with all of our guests. It's called Down the Home Stretch. Mike, do you want to do you want to kick off Down the Home Stretch? Yeah, sure. So the way we do it is we uh, we pick a topic. Uh, your topic is appropriately going to be books. So just generically books. We're going to 90 seconds on the clock. Rapid fire. I'm going to start with this question. What's your favorite book? My favorite book, aside from my own, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, Once a Runner is my favorite book. I read oh. that one in two days. And yeah, one of the only books I've ever read. But it does take <laughs> a lot for me to read a book like yourself. And uh, that one I read between christmas and new year so over a couple days but yeah i i love the whole story of quentin cassidy and his him training to break the four minute mile what's the worst part about writing a book worst part about writing a book um early mornings and late nights if you're not if you're doing it on top of full-time training and and running it's uh, a lot of early mornings and late nights what's the favorite chapter from your book i first chapter it's called 24 hours covers my uh trip to the undergenerous show and uh winning the world championship have you ever read The Giving Tree? I have not. Should I? Yeah, it's a great book. Awesome. So is mine. 
<laughs> can can we record the audiobook? Yeah. <laughs> For personal use all out. <laughs> How long until your book is on the New York Times bestseller list? I'll give it six weeks. Okay. I like it. Uh, do you know that only nerds read books? I can confirm, yes, but I hope a lot of nerds buy my book. <laughs> this question is for Michael. Uh, is there a spark note for your book? <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to get one drawn up. <laughs> How much time can I expect to take off my beer mile after reading your book? I'd say 20%. Love it. When you get a little bit faster and you're under six minutes, it's a bit tougher. So I'd say for you, 30 seconds. I'll take it. Is, is your book better than the movie? <laughs> How do you know we're recording a movie? I just <laughs> uh, intuition. <laughs> Will Ferrell starring as me. <laughs> um, how much do you just exaggerate and BS stuff in a book? Because I would totally do that if I were writing a book about myself. I'd like to think I stayed pretty honest, but you know, a couple stories you gotta you gotta give the people what they want to hear. And last question, Lewis. Do we? Is this the last question? Yeah, I think this is the last that's question. It. That's it. When can we expect the sequel? September 2020. Okay. It's, in the, it's in the works. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lewis, this was this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. We had a blast. Um, you know, we definitely want to stay in touch with you. So, um, you know, I think we should, you know, maybe sometime in the future have you back on. Um, but my goal, my personal goal, I'm going to tell you right now, my personal goal is Tokyo 2020. So I'm starting. I started my training a couple months ago. My goal is Tokyo 2020. Wow. And hopefully, yeah. We'll connect for this the the we'll call it the Boston Beer Mile training camp. We'll make it happen. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, yeah, Lewis, tell tell the people where they can find you. Yeah. So um you can find me on Instagram, Lewis.kent, uh, on Twitter, Lewis Kent Myler. Um, and then the book's available on Amazon. Just look up Amazon Beer Mile Book or Amazon Lewis Kent Beer Mile Book, and uh, it's all there. Go give him a follow. Buy the book. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Thanks for coming on, Lewis. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a blast. Look forward to doing it again in the future. Thanks again to Lewis Kent for coming on. Awesome interview. He's a great guy. I think we're going to try to stay in touch with him and try to do some stuff with him in the future. Maybe we can get him out to Boston to, to, to break the Massachusetts state record while we try to break the Miller Lite world record. But... Thanks again to uh, to Lewis for coming on and go out and buy his book. I'm looking to read, looking forward to reading it. Um, Mike, you so like you said earlier in the podcast, you listened to Trent and I's podcast last week as we recapped the uh, the, the pre classic part of the Diamond League, um, probably one of the more premier Diamond League races, and um, you had some comments about the Bowerman Mile. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to hand over the floor to you to talk about the Barman Mile and, and your take on it. Yeah. So I um I actually so on my way home from Costa Rica, I was on the plane and believe it or not, like as hard as it can be to find track and field on the Internet and all that stuff. I was on a plane home from Costa Rica and I was actually able to watch the pre-classic on my little uh, television on my United flight home. So I was I sat there and I watched um, some track and fields and the Bowerman mile came up and I got all kind of giddy cause I'm looking at the names in there, right? We had, uh, Kijelcha, the indoor, um, world record holder in the mile. 
you had obviously our boy Centro, and you said some 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 really cool names. So I'm like, I'm all fired up. I'm like, you know, tapping my wife on the show. I'm like, oh, look, look at this guy. We had our my boy uh, Johnny Gregoric. He's a, a I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Cece was super. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure she was fired up. I was like getting all fired up like Johnny Gregoric from Massachusetts. I'm like, oh man, like yeah, like he he. You know he's from Massachusetts. He's our guy and all that stuff. And I'm getting giddy, and it's like, oh, this is this is sweet. This is gonna be a sweet mile. And the gun goes off, and the mile goes off. And I, you know we go on this rant so many times, and people are gonna get sick of us talking about it. But I don't know how many times we have to talk about it until things start to change, because it was so brutally boring, just not fun to watch at all and i'm like this is supposed to be the big event in our sport and here i am and like it's not fun at all and these big names like centro just like never put himself in contention coasting at the back never gave himself a chance to win just like was not into it uh who like i said was the indoor world record holder who i've praised in the passing like i can't wait to watch his like run to try and break the world record in the mile I don't like I literally haven't looked at the results, but I don't even know if he finished. Like, I don't know what happened to the guy. He just disappeared. He didn't even finish in like the top 10. He wasn't near. It was just like it. it, There was nothing interesting, nothing fun. And sometimes you get like a crazy kick and it's like, that's not what we like about the mile. We don't like to watch that. But at least it provides some entertainment level. This race, there was no crazy kick. They didn't go out fast. Nothing like exceptional happened it was just straight boring from start to finish and if that's what we have to to you know to look forward to in the mile going forward i it's like how are we going to get people interested in this sport how yeah how are we and i think you know you mentioned to me yesterday that you wanted to talk a little bit about the bowerman mile and trying you're you're just a clown he just put on this this hat uh, whatever um and so <laughs> And so you mentioned to me yesterday you wanted to talk about you can tell Trent's drinking whiskey. He's definitely a different <laughs> personality when he's drinking whiskey on the podcast. Anyways, you you mentioned to me yesterday you wanted to talk about the Bowerman Mile. And you know what? I, I started going, my mind started going a, a bunch of different directions with, you know, what you could possibly want to talk about after we kind of recapped it. And you're right, we didn't go in hard enough on like, you know, how this race played out. Because the whole point of this podcast, right, is I don't care where your training is. I don't care where your training's at, where, what point you're at in the training cycle. When you put that number on and you step on the starting line and the gun goes off, I want to see you race. Like, and, and, and it wasn't like they ran slow. I mean, I mean, Centro still ran like a 351. What's the difference between one and a 351 and going out there and trying to win the race? I mean, it's the Bowerman mile. I mean, we talked about how we want Centro to be the pre of the 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 steve prefontaine of our generation but if he's just coasting at the back and hoping to pick up a couple places down the home stretch like what are we doing out here like why even bother showing up to race and steve we're we're three weeks away from usa's from the national championship of you know to try and qualify for for a world's championship here and you know maybe that's and people said they don't want to like burn themselves out they don't want to peak too early like we try and said and i guarantee you for some of them that's what it was right they're just trying to sharpen up and they're but like listen this is a televised track event this is the prefontaine classic if you're gonna put yourself on national television and you give 
at li- a little bit of craps about this sport at all. You go out there and you put it on the line. It's three weeks away, people. You think one race three weeks away from a national championship is going to affect you? Go out there and race hard. Like, it was so pathetic. And it's just like, what are we trying to do here on this podcast? If we're trying to get people excited about it and, you know, this is on TV and it just sucks. It Like, it, it's just not fun to watch. Yeah, that pissed me off because I know I read something like Centro's going for it in a few weeks. And he's like, come on, man, you're going to run 351 but not go all out. Either don't run right now and run some sort of tempo 1200 or something like that um, or go all out. So, yeah, that was infuriating. See, and how many times are people going to watch like track and field on television? Uh, not that many throughout the year if you're not a big track fan. So this is the one time you got to see your Americans go out and crush it just because that's the ones that you can relate to. Or everybody's going to go out and crush it if you're on national TV. But burr, burr, burr. it got super cold in here. Um, Mike, that take is so ice cold. Where were you last week? You were off taking the week off, sipping pina coladas on uh. the beach, whatever your dumb Costa Rican beers is. While Steve and I are hustling hard and podcasting and breaking down the Bauer and Mile, now you're coming out and breaking down a race that happened like two months ago and expecting to be like a hot take, come on, Mike. Dude, either get on the podcast or, or, or get off. I don't know what to tell you, man. First of all, Trent, you That's went a long a way to go. Long way to go for that joke. Oh, my God. Ten minutes ago to break out that hat, thinking you're some big tough guy, putting on oh the winter hat. Oh, my God. Trying to, so I mean, sweet. it was just so embarrassing for that take. You know, and, he um, might. And second we, of all. No comment. So, Mike, did we get that on video? Oh, it's on video. Well, speaking of video, whether you're married to the game of running or getting married to another runner, let 27 Video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding on a lake. Choose 27 Video. We love weddings and we love running too. So, wow. yeah, that was our first official wow. uh, ad read, a little bit of a callback to, to last week's episode. But from from, uh, you know, personally, you know, I have used 27 video for several of my video needs. I have used them for my my wedding, which was awesome. They, they you know, they put together a little sizzle reel that you can post on social media the next day and give you a little bit of a longer clip without having, you know, the you know, the big, long video, the big, big, long video production that you get from other video companies. And they have also videoed my road race. And I will actually post that on the Instagram, the video they made for the Dudley's Irish Clover this past spring. So shout out to 27 Video, our first official sponsor. I, I would say it's safe to say that they're not only the um, the only video company that Peak Too Early trusts, but I would say that they're the presenting sponsor for now uh, until somebody wants to to outbid them uh, of, of the Peak Too Early podcast. I would I would uh, you know go to the gates of hell for twenty seven video and uh, tell me another podcast that would would say that. So yeah, and no, and no BS in. Uh... Out of all the video services I've had at my weddings, this is <laughs> the best one I've ever seen. These guys are professional, and they do a great job. All right, boys. This has been a really fun episode. Um, let's kick off the bell lap. So, Mike, why don't you kick us off on the bell lap? The Red Sox stink, Steve. That's what I have. The Red Sox stink. The bullpen stinks. We just went to London and got our butts whooped. I don't know what to do. Uh, the trade deadline's coming up, and it's like, oh, okay, are the Red Sox with their 
with their thriving farm system just going to make wheel and deal and bring in some studs and no they're not they're not they're probably going to like everyone on wei is probably going to talk about how we need to pull in the bullpen and all these rumors about different relievers are going to bring in and they're probably not going to bring anybody and they're probably going to stink the rest of the year um with that said we're still going to win the world series though so let's go socks uh, I got a ticket right here for the Red Sox to win this World Series, so I hope they do, but I completely agree. They stink right now. Trent, what do you got for the people on the Bell Lab? I actually had very similar thoughts. We've talked enough about running. Let's talk about something else. Welcome, Kemba Walker, to Boston. Chris, oh, baby. That signing. I also, before we, we talk about Kemba, I want to give a real goodbye to Al Horford. Don't give me this average Al crap, and don't tell me like he shouldn't have went to Philadelphia. I'm, I'm sick of that. Uh, he, he was awesome for us, and he deserves to get the most money he can. But I'm excited for Kemba. I'm excited. I don't want to break down whether they're better or not better with Kyrie because I think that's a dumb argument. I just know that when I turn on the television in uh, in the fall, I'm going to be stoked to watch a little, little Kemba, a little Yukon kid come home. Um, we're we're going to be fun going to the Garden this year. Yep. Love, love Kemba coming to Boston. Maybe we can get him on the pod. Um, and for my bell lap, a reminder to the people. That on July 27th, National Gundy Day, we are holding a watch party for USA's track and field here at the Gendron Saloon. So those, I guess, said it before. Those of you who know what the Gendron Saloon is, you are welcome to come. Show up. You know, you can. Uh, we're gonna have a. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna have a little bit of a game going with the with the different tiers of runners. For those of you that don't know what the Gendron Saloon is, you don't know where it is. DM us on Instagram while you're at it. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram if you're not already. But DM us on Instagram and we'll let you know where the party's at. But July 27th, National Dundee Day, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun time here at the Gendron Saloon. Boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. You at work or something? I'm uh, I'm still in my office. Yeah, I'll leave after this. What a grind! Kid yeah, doesn't stop. Like pod, appreciate that. <laughs> Gotta just figured I'd stick it out a little while longer for this, and then I'll head home, grab yeah. a beer, relax. I uh, I didn't see anyone in the background, so I like that you have no you know crazy colleagues and coworkers coming in trying to crash the interview. But that could be fun too. Yeah, I mean the the reality is I'm the only one left here. To our credit, we still have two minutes to spare, so yeah, good on us. <clears throat> Not to our credit, technology is beating us again. <laughs> Try searching Lewis Kent again. He said his name just comes up. Just Lewis Kent? Yeah. Are you about to throw up, Trent? No, I was just holding in a burp because I didn't want it to come out on the pod. No. Uh, No, 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 no. We got everything I needed. I was just saying, um, I am, uh, I'm helping out with Brooks Canada for for the for the next year or so. So if I'm ever in the Toronto area, I'll hit you up. John, I'm gonna go grab a, a beer real quick.